Greetings, nerds. This is Seen and Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing well, sir. I'm just bracing for the incoming jokes, but I'm, I'm having a good Friday. Hope you are, too. We never joke on this show. We're super serious. We're super serious. No, I'm just super, super serious at my expense. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody. <laughs> somebody has to pay that price. Exactly. And lucky for you, though, we have a fully-fledged Flash fan panel tonight, would you say? Yes. <laughs> and they won't even let me introduce them, so they must be your friends. That's fine. <laughs> Tamara, Polly, you've already ruined the surprise. Go ahead. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Okay, I'm Tamara, and I'm a huge fan of The Flash, and this is my second time back, and I'm very excited to share about the finale. We are The Flash, so I'm excited Really nice to be here again. Great to have you guys back. Let's, uh, yeah, yeah. So, Sarah, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm a. <laughs> no. Lay it on, you will. Lay it on. I thought we figured out this before the show, but you yeah. know, you take over. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, you told me to, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> so, no, all seriousness, I'm going to open the floor to our guests and, um, Wanted to hear what you guys thought about the uh, thought about the finale. So Tamara, why don't you go first? Okay, cool. Um, I actually really liked it. Um, I wasn't sure how it was going to unfold. Of course, there were. Um, I was actually surprised they were they brought Ralph back because I was like, this is kind of like a, a dream state kind of thing. But I hadn't seen Inception, so I was a little like. I, I didn't get all the references to that, but, but I, I like that. Um, very connected with him and his, you know, in the, I guess Cecile used that with the, the I forgot what that thing was, was called, but that thing on her forehead to kind of get very into um, DeVoe's consciousness. I thought that was really cool. Um, and then to kind of have Ralph fighting again. So I thought it was I thought it was clever that they tried to use some of these other sci-fi type books to kind of wrap it up. It looked a little matrixy too. Like that one point when DeVoe, there was like hundreds of DeVoe's. Yeah. I was like, it reminded me so much of like the Matrix, like an Agent Smith was multiplying himself and everything. Um, so I thought that was good. I felt like, you know, there were a couple times where you know, there was a few plot holes in, in my opinion, although, although, you know, when Barry, I guess, in the first episode, you know, all that, you know, mumbo-jumbo he was talking about, not everything came to fruition at the end of the episode, and I was hoping that it would, but I think that what the producers had said was that when we saw him in the beginning, that he had pretty much, like, lived his whole life or something, so some of the things and references that he mentioned, um, maybe they'll tackle it in season five, but there was something, of, you know, speed force symbols that was never really, um, 
brought up in the episode. I was wondering yeah, if they were ever going to talk about that. See, I thought the Speed Force symbols, I thought that was what Harry had utilized to uh, help them figure out, um, and probably maybe, or Sarah, maybe y'all can help me out here, but I thought that Harry had utilized was the ones who came up with those, uh, those uh, lack of better term, hieroglyphics. Um, I personally think that they were, like, supposed to be interlac, you know, from the future. So, like, what Tamara said <laughs> makes sense. Um, you know, when he's in the Speed Force, he saw his whole life, past, present, and future, and he was kind of living it all at the same time. So maybe yeah. this will be explained in Season 5, and we'll know exactly what it does and exactly what it means, you know. Yeah, that's yeah I hope. think, you know, I didn't, yeah, I didn't notice the, um, I forgot, like, uh, maybe Carrie was playing around with the um, Speed Force symbols, but I, I just feel like, I don't remember them talking about it in depth, and I would, I just, you know, from the Mystery Girl, you know, working on it, and then I seeing it pop up at different points through the season, I thought, okay, they're going to kind of explain that, but I think, um, you know, I just felt like they probably didn't have enough time to include everything, and all the way Cecile touches Caitlin, and that kind of voice comes out about Thomas, it's always been like this, you know, you're kind of getting that glimpse of like, okay, there's something there, but it wasn't much, you know, I thought they would have added more to Caitlin's story, Killer Frost, by the um, end of the season, so that was a little bit disappointing, so that would be a little bit more to kind of, um, like, we see Killer Frost again, but we didn't, I think it was cool to see how, how everyone was working together, I do think it's very, you know, a lot of characters. I tell you, I'm always like so many people on the show, so many characters, and now with Ralph back, so there's going to be a lot to bat for the writers to, to balance. But I think, you know, in the, in the finale, everyone played a, a role in helping take down Devoe. And um, also, I know some fans probably didn't like it. But I actually like that they were able to include everyone this year as far as um, yeah. there was no big deaths this year because it seemed like every year it was like some person in Barry's life was just going to be taken away and let's be a little more creative you know let's come up with some other way to um, you know do this and not have this one death of the season um, so I like that they did it earlier in the season with Ralph but then brought him back so I thought that was really um, different you know it was refreshing although you know the stakes weren't as high because I think DeVoe just wasn't as scary as some of the other villains um but that's okay you know I think I feel like Flash is still trying to find its tone like one season it's really dark one season it's kind of light um this was a little this season was a little it was light but it was a little juvenile at points um Yeah, yeah yeah and so I think they're still trying to figure out the tone of the show. But overall, I thought it was really good. Um, I like the mystery girl reveal. I knew it was yeah, you their that. kid. <laughs> yeah, but I think you were one of the ones that called, I think you. I think I remember seeing on Twitter, maybe you were one of the people who actually correctly called it that it was actually going to be Nora and not, uh, not Dawn. Yeah, I, yeah, I always, I always, um, I call Barry the Savitar, too. It's like these weird, weird little things and I'll, I'll be like, oh, that's who it is. That's it's gotta be. Because I remember even with Savitar, Candace Padnett was in a um, panel and it was like in September. Mm-hmm. And she had made this comment that the villain, it was all about like, um, um, gosh, it was something 
me think, oh, it's going to be buried. Like, people were like, it's going to be buried. Yeah. It ended well, up being buried. Yeah. Yeah. Molly, what, what were your thoughts, just general impressions of, of the... Of the uh, finale. The finale, it was a little disappointing to me, but, um, I mean, overall, I think it was good. I think the only reason why I was disappointing was DeVoe just kind of lost his flair, and it just dwindled down, you know, and I was expecting, you know, people to actually start to get these effects of the Enlightenment, and we saw a little bit of chaos, a little bit of panic, in the streets, but to me, it just seemed like it just lost, you know, the scariness of what he was trying to accomplish. Somewhere, the message kind of got just fizzled out. Yeah, yeah. All right, Sarah. I'll hear you. Your turn, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing such a good job moderating. Yeah. Are you sure? Do you want to share your thoughts about The Flash? Uh, I want to hear yours first. Oh, God. I really, I really hated this episode. I, I have to say, it made me mad. It made me really pissed off because for actually a lot of the reasons that you guys have already brought up, I, I can't, I don't understand. This felt so incomplete. Yeah. Um, it felt like a part one of a part two, and we're not going to get the part two in the fall. And that bothers me, not because I'm against cliffhangers, but because it felt like the whole purpose of the thinker did not really come to fruition. Um, we, we just spent 23 episodes building to this climax and then he gets wiped out, I think halfway, if not three fourths of the way through the finale episode. And you never really get that moment of like, this was what I was trying to teach you, Barry. And this is the point. And really the only thing that's carrying over into the next season is the mystery girl is Nora Allen and what she did and how she impacted the events of this episode and what that means for her and her future and where she comes from, which is all cool, but very irrelevant to everything else that happened. I hate that they brought Ralph back. Okay. I, I think looking back at this season, if you rewatch Ralph's, like, death episode, that was one of the better executed episodes, and then they just undermined it because they brought him back. Yeah. Yeah, that episode was solid. It was written super solid. And, you know, I feel the same way about that. Bringing him back just kind of, oh, okay. You know, we just suffered through this, you know, in multiple episodes, and boom, I'm back. It's okay. Yeah, and picking up, yeah, pick up on that point, too, for me, this this episode really wasn't, it truly was like a microcosm of this season. When it mm-hmm. when it was on, it, 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 it hit the right beats, but uh, but like Sarah said, I mean, it felt very, I, I mean, I, it's almost like if I had to give the season a grade, I would give it an incomplete, <laughs> because... <laughs> Because it had elements all sprinkled all throughout. It started out pretty strong, and then we hit uh, we hit a couple snags at the I guess the, I guess around episodes four and five, and then we get that moment. With, I think the moment that stands out for me this whole season was the moment when Barry and uh, Devoe were in the auditorium on, in the college campus when yep. oh, yeah. he when the bow reveals himself to Barry. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. That was. I remember one. that moment. Yeah. And that was like the hot to me. That was the highlight of the season because that was when I felt the bow was at his at his peak villainous threat to 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 Barry. And you know, and at that point, we were still trying to figure out what was his motivation for you know w- wanting to you know be this antagonist to, to Barry Allen. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I just felt they never really picked up on that point. And then they just oh, it was the Speed Force. Yeah, they t- they brought it up in this episode. They, I mean, I I understand what you're getting at, yeah. um, but but still, they didn't. Mention they brought it. it up like just as a side throw in. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we wanted to speak for it. You know, it was just I agree with Will. It was a little incomplete, and you know, just the the writing wasn't solid. We started great and. You know, I agree that that was the strong point of this DeVoe and Barry and, you know, bringing out who he is. And then it just kind of fizzled, like yeah. I said, you know. It fizzled. We, got, we had all the transferences between all the various bus metas. And yeah. it just, it just, it, it took the fangs out. And I said this earlier through an earlier podcast. It took the fangs yeah. out of DeVoe. So that by the time we came back to him, and he, you know, and I, I agree, I think. Ralph did have his he found himself as a hero and he had his heroic death um and uh, yeah sorry go ahead and jump in and, and, and tease you can because how much I gushed over over that episode <laughs> it's one of our podcast highlights so yeah. it's fine yeah. it was genius <laughs> I, so I feel like this season we've talked a lot about DeVoe And really, in talking about this finale, something I want us all to consider is Barry's arc this Mm. year. Because the final impression I got left after watching the finale was that we've lost two Barry Allen is. Like, it's really, they they put him in a good place because he's a family-oriented character. And so this idea of the future and his daughter and what happens is, is really... Um, really excites me. But at the same time, I feel like in terms of season four, I don't know what his arc was. I don't really understand it. Like, I feel like he got lost and, and more so than even what happened with DeVoe, I think that's a bigger writing crime this season is what happened to Barry Allen. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely felt that too, but I also think, I don't know if the writers have figured out a balance. Like they, I, I definitely sense that they want to give every character like something to do. Um, and you get that, but then it's, it gets kind of redundant and then not always needed. And so Barry does get a little lost. And I, I, I definitely agree with that. Like I, I feel like there was a lot of focus on him helping Ralph, but it was focused on helping Ralph his arc um but you know outside of that i don't know (laughs) what else you know like outside of helping ralph um there wasn't much else going on and we had the trial of the flash too but still you know that was just two episodes i think right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i think that's a very good point that because even i was watching i was was re-watching some of the finale tonight and as I was, you know, the, the, that in those moments in the in Star Labs at the end, 
especially like with whenever they were talking to Marlies, I just felt that Barry was just he, he, he was kind of sidelined as as a focal point, and it just seems that you know it is the called the Flash, and Barry should be still the focal point of of the show, and it seems at times, as you all have said, I mean he he becomes more of a supporting character to other people other people's arcs or other people's stories um and 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 i felt that uh you know that was you know that was one of the failings of the season as far as just like what was the clear thing that barry has learned or or, or has grown as a as as a leader as a team leader as as a hero um but you know he's played that mentor role before so i don't know being a mentor ralph really was you know that any real real growth for him I think what I I would guess I mean I'm not one of the writers I don't know but I think that what they were trying to say that Barry was grew in to grow in was just um, you know kind of like not being alone like the team we're all together um, you know and he mentions that in the last episode, you know, the finale, that, you no, know, it was all of us who did this. And, and so I think the, the writers and, and the producers are trying to go for that um, type of tone with the show. Like, even though it's called The Flash, they, it, it has an ensemble cast, and they really want to highlight everyone. So it's, it's sometimes I'm like, maybe they should have called it Star Labs. I don't know, because it's... You want to give everyone as much important as Barry. And I'm like, but it's confusing because it's called The Flash, but it's not always about Flash. And um, but I think that's what he's supposed to grow in because he did say that, and even with the trial of the Flash, he didn't run away. He was like, I'm, I have responsibilities now. I'm not alone. I'm married. I can't just run off. And um, so, you know, that's different because yeah. the other seasons, he typically ran back and or ran away. You know, yeah. <laughs> like we're gonna right. work yeah. together. Yeah. So, so then he he learned his lesson halfway through the season, and that's why I've just sat here and gotten angry and angrier watching the rest of the season because I'm like, oh, the story it already it already happened. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, okay, um, I want to jump to another big mystery. Um, we've already talked about Nora Allen, or Nora West, um, however, yeah. West Allen. Yeah, West Allen. Yeah. West Allen. More important, so now that we know who she is, who the heck is uh, um, Cecile's baby? And when will it be revealed that Harry's <laughs> actual, actual father? Can, can we have that? <laughs> Harry was oh. losing his Falcon. Jeez. 
everyone I caught at Hellbang Ritz, actually, they, they filmed a scene teasing season five's villain, but it ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Uh, just I mean, I was, I had one yeah. in mind. I was, I, I already had my, my plot, and then when I read that, I was like, oh, well, throw those papers away. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand, yeah. I watched this, and I was going through every fact that we know, and I was pulling villains from anything that anybody said, because I thought for sure it was still in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was the villain, Polly, that you had chosen? My villain that I chose was probably Sovereign or Godspeed. Yeah, see, I didn't think, I, I, mm. yeah, see, that's, those are good ones. Those are good ones. I, I figured Godspeed was off, off the face list because they didn't want to go back me to another speedster. Another speedster. Yeah. Which led me to Sovereign because, you know, of the comic book. Yeah, Nora Allen came back with a lot of the, you know, Justice League's children and said, help, you guys screwed up, you know, and this is our problem now. So, what theory? I was just back on the comics. Yeah, one theory, theory I've read is uh, it's going to be Cicada, who was introduced during Wally West's run uh, as the Flash under uh, Jeff by Jeff Johns around, I guess around 2000, 2001. Um, mm-hmm. And apparently this villain has the ability to to take uh, take Meta's powers away. And so it's going to kind of be um, kind of a, a BBS kind of uh, thing where this Cicada is going to blame Barry and for, uh, you know, create, having all these Metas around it way of getting back is slowly taking all these oh now that's a kind of a theory or has it been confirmed it's just, it's just a theory oh okay I read articles and I was like I wasn't sure if it was from, from the exec- I didn't know if yeah that's just one theory that, that it could put that out there yeah. executive producer no no they, I don't they huh. just said I mean the only thing I read was that he, they filmed a, uh, a scene where it, they teased who the next villain was going to be but it just ended up on the cutting room floor due to time. Yeah, and they said, you know, if you were a fan of the comic books, you would be able to pick up and know who it is instantly. That's why I was going through everything. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah it ended up being cut. So yeah, so look, yeah, so maybe this, maybe this summer, maybe at uh, at uh, San Diego Comic Con or something like that, we'll Comic Con. Yeah. Maybe they'll they'll drop yeah, some of that. Yeah. Oh, they definitely will. Began. Yeah, well, I, I think I like that idea because I don't know if I can do another season where the first half um, they discover new metas that were created by an event that Barry was involved with. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so do, to go into your fifth season and do the opposite where every episode that first half is they find a new meta who lost their powers and they investigate, I could see us going back to the roots of the show, especially something that I didn't realize until I was, like, getting ready for tonight is that we haven't seen CSI Barry in a while. No, we haven't. I know he lost his job, but that's a big piece of who he is as a character that they completely just put on the shelf temporarily, hopefully. I hope. 
Like, whoa. <laughs> he got his job back, so I'm hoping, yeah, definitely. Interesting having them outside of that building, I tell you. We, so, we see so much of Star Wars. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> it's just... Uh, <laughs> we, we, we need a yeah, like the, the the <laughs> We need to... I know, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of CSI, I know we touched around standard metas and stuff. One of the things that bothered me also about the ending of this show is the... Uh, of the finale was that Marlise did not get held responsible for her role in and Devoe's actions because I mean they you know with the bus metas you know eleven out of twelve of them were were murdered <laughs> and she was an accessory to that um, yeah. and just it was just like okay you can go back to doing what your original goal in life was, just no, no consequence, not even, she wasn't even put in the pipeline, I mean, come on, something. She you could know, have saved her husband. What's that? Uh, she yeah. could save her husband. Well, yeah, but, I mean, that, okay. She had to kill him, had, literally. Yeah, like, yeah. She had to be the one who actually took him down, in a way, like, yeah. she figured it out, she knew exactly what they needed to do. So do you think that absolves her yeah. of everything else? No. Oh. I, I was just going to say, I don't necessarily think it absolves her. I think she's going to carry that guilt around with her for a while, but much like we've seen Barry and his actions, um, sometimes they, they, they do end up paying a penance, but um, it's not the same kind of justice we're used to seeing. So yeah. I, I think the way she yeah. left it, it kind of made sense in my mind, especially because of how much we saw him abuse her, yeah. like emotionally. Uh, I don't want to, she's, she's, as much as you're arguing that she's um, a co-conspirator, she's also a victim in all of us, just as much, sure. so she's like 50-50, yeah. that's why. That's a fair point, that's a fair point, I mean, yeah, he did use the, the tears to coerce her to... Plus, yeah. you know, you saw her too, and she stopped him from doing some things. You know, I'm not saying that that means he's innocent, but she's like, no, no, we're not here to kill him. We're here to, you know, make their lives better, to enrich our earth. And she was drug along on this. She was just a string along. You know, not saying that she shouldn't have had any consequence to what she did, but I can kind of see where, okay, you know, you're going to be dealing with this for a long time. Yeah, and I, I I just learned from the show. I I just take that they don't typically deal with a lot of consequences unless um it's very sometimes. But like even just the end of season three, you know, all that stuff went down with Killer Frost and Savitar, and you know, people were like, well, "What's happening?" You know, but we kind of assume that like, okay, things are cool now because all's forgiven. There doesn't need to be a big um you know, a uh, consequence for it, like cops and all that stuff involved, but I, I just hate that the show's not ever really going to do anything like that, unless the person's a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> stays right. bad guy. Then they'll take that action, but no one consequences, like normal consequences. Yeah, speaking about consequences, something that I don't think they really brought up at all this season, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but Iris's guilt from the season three finale of killing Savitar, who just so happens to be another version of Barry. Mm. 
Like, I'm surprised they never went back there to expl- explore how she was dealing with that. I think, I think, yeah, it was just the thematic shift. They basically decided to just pretend that season three didn't happen. I mean, just look how many times they read did Killer, you know, Killer Frost's origin. I mean, we went from... <laughs> She quickly being formed one way in season three, and then by season every week in season four, just about every week, it seemed that they were re-reconning her her origin sort of story. So I mean, I, yeah. So point of the night, Will. <laughs> so I, yes. So I think they. I think. Go ahead, go ahead, Frank. Yeah, I think you're right. I was saying, great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they they, they they reminded us of Flashpoint, and of course, no more time travel, which Nora West Allen broke big time. But beyond that, I mean, they touched on flat season three, but they put that it was like a throwaway line about Julian, and they were going to move on. Oh, Julian. Yeah. you know and maybe that's why this killer frost stuff this season has disappointed me because that season three episode about killer frost was one of their better episodes last season if not one of like the best like i remember that episode kevin smith directed it and it was so cool and she was so such a fascinating character and now we get caitlin snow kind of killer frost Yeah, yeah, and I think, yeah, I think one of you referenced it earlier, I mean, that was something that they just did not even address in in the finale at all. And who the heck is Thomas? (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, I have a few theories, but... What are your theories? Um, I've seen where, like, maybe it's her brother, because, uh, the Killer Frost on Earth 2... I believe, said, you know, well, my brother died, you know, and that's what made me bitter and angry, and it was that stepping stone to why she was who she was. So, but, you know, I'm thinking maybe in this case it might be her father, and there's a couple, um, a couple things on that, like, um, for one, they're really taking, like, this mutant thing, (laughs) huge time with Killer Frost, you know, it's part of her DNA, which means that somebody in her ancestry has to have this kind of power. So, you know, you know, um, maybe it was he died, but is kept in stasis or periodically frozen until, like, this healing factor through Caitlyn started to emerge and they got Killer Frost instead, so her mom tried to cover that up and separate them, you know, kind of like, oh, no, you know, what what happened? <laughs> you know, I don't really know what's going on, and they have really botched up the whole plot <laughs> of Killer Frost. <laughs> you can't go back on what they said and, you know, figure it out because they change it. So, you know, Dude, I don't changes. know. I don't think... They know what they want to do um, with Killer Frost, and I, I, sometimes you get the impression that, like, okay, the reason why they didn't keep it, it from season three, kind of, because in the beginning, like, what episode four hundred one, you know. 
know, she was kind of a in between almost. Like it was like, you know, she was a little edgy, you know, and then it just changed. It was like, oh, she's back to case. Yeah. It was like, when did that happen? Yeah. And so I, I felt like maybe they were scared to let go of Caitlyn because they know once they go that killer. I mean, I think that's honestly more interesting. Like that killer boss episode was interesting because that is her comic book role, you know, like, it's important to let people, let the characters do that, you know, I don't know, I just feel like they were kind of going back and forth, like, do we really want her to be Killer Frost, or do we want her to be Caitlyn, and then the whole split personality thing, it got, that got really confusing, I was like, I'm not sure what they're, I don't think they know what they want to do, because I know they, they're going to keep their cast, so they're probably trying to figure out a way to, you know, make it work without her being a full-on villain, but I don't, I'm not sure if they know how to really do that. Because even, like, yeah. we never even got a chance to really come across work with um, no. the Flash. Yeah. Even at Flash time, was it Flash time? They had, like, one scene. Like, they don't, like, even communicate. Yeah. So we don't even know really what that dynamic would be like, um, or even if it would work. I don't know. Right. Like, right. Um, she is yeah, a G character to the end. Yeah. There was a lot of um, references to how they were hanging out outside of Star Labs this season, and she was Killer Frost, <laughs> but we never yeah. actually got to see it. We never got to see it. You're like, do they? I mean, like, does this work? Is this dynamic work? I have no idea. So we'll have to figure that out. Other things we have to figure out. Yes. Yeah, why haven't you seen Inception? What the heck? <laughs> oh, me? <laughs> you know, I... Oh, okay. This, this is really, really the reason. Leonardo DiCaprio's in that, right? Yeah. And I, yes. I love him. But I was trying to watch it, and I got so confused. Because I was like, dimension, what's happening? Even though I'm a huge Matrix fan, I, like, I got really into that. Something about Inception, when I was watching it, it just was... Have you ever seen... Lost. It, it was like yeah. when I tried to watch that show Lost, I was lost. I was like, I got to the second episode and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I was like, I see a dinosaur. <laughs> so it's like there, there's certain. I'm new to sci-fi. I'm getting. I'm getting. My husband's ushering me in. Um, but some of that stuff is just. It's just hard for my brain. Like I can't. I might try to watch Inception again because Leonardo DiCaprio's in it, but. At the time, when it first came out, I was like, I can't get through this. It's, I'm so confused. But that's why. That's why. It hurts my heart. <laughs> <laughs> when that came out, because I saw it twice in the same week. <laughs> I will try it again for you. And I'll, I'll, I'll come back. I'll, I'll try it again. I'll try to watch it again. I'm sure it's really good. I hear a lot about it. Uh, so, any final thoughts about season four, the finale, or the Flash just in general? I, I pretty much said what I have to say about it. I, I don't have much more to add. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm hoping that they find, you know what I really hope? I really hope that they're able to keep um, some, some writers, because, uh, I think the inconsistency, I did some research on some of the inconsistencies that we find are, it's just a lot of um, transition behind the scenes. So I, I think with 
keeping some people in place can maybe help the story. I don't know. That's kind of what I'm for, for next season. Because I always feel like some writers write things like they sometimes write things out of character or like they forgot what happened. Like the fans sometimes feel like we know more what's going on. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope you can feel like that. Probably any closing thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I <laughs> I agree. Uh, we need to, you know, keep some of the consistency going. Sometimes um, it's like they lost their sticky notes on what the characters are supposed to be. And, you know, they're just making something up because we got to do something. But, you know, it needs to be more consistent. I believe, and keeping some of the same writers will do that, and you know, give the flash the flashes arcs back, <laughs> you know, um, make it a show about the flash again. Uh, other than that, um, you know, I'm looking forward to see what they do next season, and hopefully, some of these questions that we have will be explained, you know, correctly, and so we all understand it and aren't lost. Right. All right. Well, that's it for us and talking the flash tonight. Thank you both for joining us. It's been very enlightening, Tamara. Why don't you tell fans where they can find you? They can find me on Twitter um, under Tamara Gasky, and um, I love I like the Flash. I like a lot of little, little different CW things and shows. I watch uh, Black Lightning when I get a chance to. And I like, um, I just finished this karate thing. Oh, yeah, oh my gosh, it was, uh, Cobra Cobra Kai. Kai. so good. Well, it was, it was, you know, reminiscent of like, <laughs> childhood, but anyway, I'm here on, um, on Twitter. And Polly, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter as well at E underscore Nature and, um, yeah, I'm in Flash Chat and some other things on Twitter. So if you want to join me there, you're more than welcome to. All right. Well, we are going to take a short break, and you're going to hear from our friends who are also podcasting. And then when we come back, we will be talking talking all things Krypton. Thanks. Hey, guys. This is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Every week on our show, you can join my co-host, Brendan, and I, as we review the latest films that's out in theaters. It also inspires us to discuss a top three list of some sort, and we have a lot of other fun movie discussions as well. It's always a blast. And we also have a show on Fridays called our Extra Film Podcast. This is a show that gives us the space to talk about the latest indies and art films and other classics that we normally just don't get to talk about on our main show. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and more. In fact, you can just see everything about us, including our social medias, at InSessionFilm.com. So join us every week, and after we review the latest films. Thanks, everyone. We are back, and we're going to break down the Krypton Season 1 finale, Phantom Zone. Oh my god, I yes. love this episode. I did too. I did too. It was so good, Will. And there were so many moments where I just wanted to pause and send out a tweet online because so much happened in such a very short period of time. 
And yet, it also felt like it finished up a lot of things that got started this season. Um, and also just left us in this place of everything has changed and we're going to get a season two and really understand the consequences of of what happened and the, the choices that were made. And SEG, I don't know where when he will come back, but yeah, there's a lot to discuss. There is. So I think just a couple things for, for me just to sort of set up our, our conversation here with, with Krypton. First, I, I went back and, and I told you this earlier today, uh, went back and listened to our, our, our first uh, discussion about Krypton and what we expected to see um, with the series when it was first that when we did our well, spring preview show, and we both uh, we were both cautiously optimistic. I think it's fair to say, um, as far as how the season would pan out, yeah. and um, and it, it, it it delivered. It really it really did. Uh, with prequels, it's always hard because you know that if you have an established canon, it's very hard for as a writer, as a viewer, to break out of that and take the chance on a prequel. Um, but one of the things I appreciate what they did with this series, and particular with, particularly with this finale, was they took a chance, mm-hmm. story-wise, and they used time travel, which was already set up from episode one with Adam Strange showing up. Um, on Krypton, and they followed through with it in this finale in a way that opened the door for so many possibilities. And we we talked about this. We hoped they were going to do that as as the series progressed, and they completely did that. It was a Twilight Zone ending. Mm -hmm. It was that moment where you're shown a glimpse of one month later and General Zod is in command of Kandor, and you see Lyda, you see Dev, and you you understand that they're both standing beside him, yep. but they both are wearing down and fully understanding what this new allegiance has brought to their city, and everything's changed. And then, more importantly, they get they do they let us go to Adam Strange, yep. and we, we'll talk about Adam Strange. But he's right now in the United States, and he is, I think he's in New York City, I could be wrong, but he is in the future, and there's a General Zod statue, and it's it's Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, uh, villain blank alternate timeline, but it, but it worked, it really, it did. And I, I like that, you know, and it was just visually how they just, you know, while while they're in the, in the Fortress of Solitude back on Krypton, and the, you know, and then how they defeated Brainiac by sending them into the Phantom Zone, but then as Seg is getting is getting pulled into the Phantom Zone with Brainiac, and um, and seeing the the, the Superman cape, you know, as as the season has you know, has progressed. We've seen the the cape recede each right. episode, 
and then it came fully back, and then how it, you know, how the how the crest went from the House of L to the House of Zod, and mm-hmm. and and then yeah, and then it gets to your point of of Adam basically showing up on this earth where um, not only do we have the cat, the the uh, you know we have we had a couple of good points uh, uh, in, in this episode where you know the one instance see where Brainiac has actually um, collected Earth. Wait, before we, before we go there, Will, yeah, yeah. I just want to talk about what you brought up about the cape yeah. and that significance because mm-hmm. we see it change into the Zod emblem at yeah. the end. Yeah. And this, this reminded, this episode reminded me so much of the season one finale of The Flash mm-hmm. and that, uh, that idea of the newspaper and Wells always going back and checking if the timeline has changed. Yep. And they use, and I didn't realize it until this episode and until you actually brought up the cape that they use that cape motif in the same way to mm-hmm. see if the timeline, timeline's completely out the window. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone. And, and, and this is something I would argue the flash writers would never dare to do this idea of really taking a season um, the next season of Krypton and exploring what an alternate timeline timeline would really be like. Yeah. And and it's a risk because you don't want it to not work for the viewers. You don't want to feel like it was just a detour to get to the next season. So it'll be interesting how to play out. But they they made it very clear that because they are a show that plays with time, they're willing to show the consequences of of um, the choices that are made in the present and how that would would affect the future and play allow it to play out. Yeah, they they really did, and you know, and it, it was when um, they you know, it was set up throughout the season uh, pretty well. Uh, the especially I guess about two was it two hundred episodes ago where Drew Zod told um, uh, General Zod. Grandmother, his plan that you know, as far as that authoritarian conquering plan, and 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 like as you said, really building on all these little threads they've dropped throughout the season, and then you know you have that moment where everything's changed, timelines change, we're in alternate timeline, and we see Zod ruling not only not only Krypton. But then fast forward to to Earth, and we see Adam Strange you know, at this at this uh, you know, seeing this statue of Zod, and Kal-El's existence is nowhere to be found. And um, yeah, it just it it was one of those moments where I, when it, when it happened, I like I, li- I, I, I literally sprang forward in the seat because I was like, yes, this is this is just exactly the payoff I've been hoping for. This, this first season because it didn't go the way that you would think something like this would, where they would save Andor City, you know, would, would you know, do something that basically keeps Kal-El and uh, Tamon intact and the story mm-hmm. intact and, you know, maybe they'll take a little bit of a chance, but at the end of the day, the good guys won. And in this situation, they did. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, well, they kind of, 
defeated Brainiac, but not without a price. Right. And um, another reason why I found myself looking back at the Flash season one finale was because about this moral discussion that is brought up during this episode where um, General Zod points out to Seg that he can offer his grandfather um, to, to Brainiac in return to leave Kandor alone. And this man, his grandfather, oh, I'm sorry, we forgot to mention this, is brought back from life because he was in the Phantom Zone yeah. the whole time. I'm sorry, it's a lot to go through, yeah, guys. It is. <laughs> so, yeah, so he comes back. Yep. <laughs> and then just when Say gets him back, he has to figure out if he can really offer this man to Brainiac, who's a horrible whatever he is, creature, um, in return to protect his city, a city that he's been trying to protect this whole time. And and you see this this play out now. I will say that with the Flash, I, I did feel the emotional stakes more with them yeah. because you had the mother-son dynamic and who didn't cry during that season finale. Yeah. And, and this wasn't that emotional but it still clearly laid out the stakes for each of these characters and it opened up other conversations that we've been waiting to hear we hear we understand more about how general zod views his father because you start to get this this distance there's there's discourse there he doesn't know his father his mom doesn't talk about his father so seg is a stranger to him and he has no allegiance to the House of El. And that is so interesting. I mean, talk about daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that really, um, you know, really sets up for why there is such angst between the House of El and the House of Zod. And, you know, you wonder if this, you know, when things do get restored to what we know is why um, Zod ultimately uh, has this, um, you know, well, and it touched on it in, in the finale too that, you know, in the future, when he, whenever he sent us to the Phantom Zone, uh, it was because he felt that the, the council, which Jor-El said, son, is a part of uh, is corrupt and has the same problems that the current council has. But you wonder if that feeling and those feelings of that betrayal and that or I don't know if betrayal is the right word, but that animosity towards mm-hmm. the House of L, you know, it, it is from you know, it's that paradox. What came first? <laughs> You know, is the, the is the angst and the animosity because he, he met his father? It was kind of a predestination paradox, where because he met his father, it, you know, basically, yeah, they had this 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 challenge, this 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 interaction and stuff, and and what will unfold from it when Seg eventually comes out of the Phantom Zone and you know, and it sets up that conflict was. 
animosity that we see carried forward with the Jor-El and, and then Kal-El or, you know, or something else. So, uh, again, I, I, I like the, what they're doing here is it gives, it takes established canon and it fills in a lot of these gaps that we just kind of take for granted uh, mm-hmm. as, as viewers of Superman, especially, I mean, I'm not, a, I don't read the Superman comics and stuff, so for me, this is, I, I'm free to be able to watch this series without being wedded to um, anything in the comics. Um, most of my, most of my, obviously, my knowledge of the Superman mythos is, is mostly tied to what we've seen on the you know, film. So, right, right, and and I I think. Like, what if just General Zod, the the man that we've come to know over this last season, is just, because of him going back in time, has just found himself the product of a time paradox and from an alternate timeline? Because when he talks about where his father, the story he was told about his father, it basically foreshadowed what happens to Stag in this episode. Yeah. So there is Ooh, something where yeah. some of the events are correct in his timeline, and some of them, I think, have probably altered, and, like, the, this is the beauty. This is why we love time travel so much, yep. because it, you're opening Pandora's box, and yeah. you really have no idea, but as long as the writers are able to ground it and really apply it logically, I think they're going to be able to make like this play out perfectly again and fingers crossed. Big fingers crossed. They have a they, they have a very big shoes to fill because again I was not expecting much from this series but I, I've been pleasantly surprised uh, throughout uh, with, with season one. Yeah. Now my my moment in the episode where I had to pause and get out of my chair and be like, oh my god, this is amazing was definitely the Adam Strange reveal. Yeah. Because <laughs> you yeah. know how much I needed that. Yes, <laughs> you, know you did. I know. I know. <laughs> and and what I, like the beauty of it, we didn't even see him for all of like maybe two minutes of this episode, and they they revealed it so perfectly because they revealed it while explaining to us. Brainiac's powers. Mm -hmm. This wasn't about showing where Adam Strange is. This is about showing the consequences of allowing Brainiac to take over Kandor. Because he took over the U.S. in the future. And and so you and like the visual and that's why everyone is frozen is because that's what happened. Brainiac preserves life just as much as he takes it away. And you know, I I don't know if I can fully lay claim to this, but I kind of feel like on a subconscious level, I knew that he had gone forward and gone back to Earth, but I just didn't anticipate that being an outcome of Brainiac's full power and capabilities. Yeah. But, uh, like, hats off to the writers. That was perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what better way to show the depth of powers mm-hmm. by just, just that visual. It, 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 you know, sometimes it's done by exposition, sometimes it's done just by visual. And that visual was just, yeah, they, they, you couldn't, they couldn't have 
laid out a better scenario to show how deep that the, the breadth and, and uh, how powerful Brainiac is. Because yeah, okay, we're seeing what's happened on Pandora. We get it. Yeah, he's on the, you know, yes, the ship, you know, coming out of the, you know, descending on Candor City was visually impressive. Uh, you know, for for TV show on the Sci-Fi Channel budget. Uh, mm-hmm. Kudos to their visual effects folks on that carrying that off. But again, that's just the threat. You know, it's just Candor. And it's just Krypton, and we, we, you know, we, we've been told about this threat all season, so, okay, yeah, we expect that. But then, like you said, it was truly a, a, a get-up-off-your-seat kind of moment when you see Adam, you know, back in, in, I guess, New York or Detroit or wherever he was, and everything's frozen. And you realize, like, yep. and I had that, like, I was like, wait, wait, what, wait, that's, that's Earth. And everything's frozen, and... And he has already collected them. He's already collected them, yeah. And this is like in the future, so, you know, this is present day of what, uh, for us, you know, 200 years for the Kryptonians. And and it it really was an effective uh, effective piece of storytelling there. Yeah, it's... Okay, I'm I'm gonna probably get on to my Adam Strange soapbox, but... Like, Adam Strange, like, we we should have saw it coming. And I think that's what really makes me excited about this is because he, they kind of explained throughout the season that he has trouble going back and forth. Yeah. And he isn't always in control. And this technology that he uses is not necessarily his own. Right. So he, him going back there and what I thought, um, was such a good payoff because it also puts him on this separate journey almost that is connected to Brainiac, that is connected to Candor and has impl- implications. But now when he encounters the statue of General Zod, in a way, Adam Strange continues to rewrite that um, hero's journey that he started on, where he originally came back to Candor to protect them against Brainiac. And even though Brainiac has taken over, I think he's even more worried that General Zod's statue is in existence and Kal-El's is not, because essentially, overall, that's his main mention. He's got to save Superman. Right, right. And he lost on both fronts. So it'll be interesting if when he comes back and reunites with Sag if his mission will almost deter from trying to prevent Brainiac in the future and be more focused on on stopping General Zod. Yeah. And as the true save so I think it's it's very interesting when we first learn about how Adam Strange lied to Seg about his true mission, or there was this idea of betrayal that happened between the two that he kind of has inadvertently also found himself in the right on everything. (laughs) (laughs) Better be lucky than good, right? (laughs) I told you guys that he was bad, and then I had to go to the future and realize that you didn't listen to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But another thought, though, is that, you know, Adam 
trying to save the future actually set a lot of these things in motion. Um, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, and I think that was part, you know, we were wondering what was sort of the point of some of those scenes in the, uh, not the penultimate, was that the penultimate or episode before? Oh, was it the episode before? It was the episode before because they didn't say anything about him in the penultimate. Right. It really pissed me off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, when he was he was on, you know, talking to the uh, talking to the I can't remember the character the folks on Rand um, mm-hmm. about what was going on, and it it, it it now seeing the consequences of everything that's happened subsequent to to that episode, it you know it gives better context for for, for why they, they they showed the had those scenes and those conversations because um, it really you know prior to that Adam just kind of dropped in on the scene and he lied to Seg about his mission and things went sideways and um, because of that um, Zod and um, other things happened but Uh now see the consequences of that in the finale and so yeah so when when we start season two you're it's your point adam's gonna have to figure out a way to reverse all that and yeah, that's the great thing about time travel will he, will he you know will he gain a better understanding of how to use his powers so that he can help go back prior to that point in time um, right, and also, you know, or go to a point in time where he, you know, we saw where Valel was um, working on a, you know, underground to to build a new key to the to the Phantom Zone. So will mm-hmm. he be able? Will he help him finish that uh, so that he can retrieve Seg uh, from the Phantom Zone uh, in order to reestablish? A timeline that allows for Kyle L to become Superman. So, uh, yeah, it's just so many places they can go. Oh yeah, and and at the same time, you you kind of get an idea of some of the things that almost have to happen. You don't know how or in what way, but you're you're just like, okay, the potential is there. Yeah, potential is definitely there for yeah. them to mine. So, um. Another surprise that occurred and something that was interesting is how we've talked about how this season, not only in terms of exploring Superman's um, history and lineage, but also just this world of Krypton that we've only heard so much about over the course of so many years with Superman um, as part of about this universe. And with Krypton, we talked about it a little bit last week, and you were trying to tell me on Krypton where babies came from. I didn't really believe you. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we had that discussion. We had that discussion, yes, yes. We had the birds and the bees discussion about Krypton. <laughs> and, and then, but we learn in this episode, or shall I say Nissa learns more about how she's a clone. Mm-hmm. Because in, on Krypton, this society that they've built is not only about trying to 
trying to um, offer an alternative to, I don't know, conceiving a child. Yeah, yeah. Why you would need an alternative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it's almost like how to perfect, perfect it was very, like, being a process, yeah, you know? Yeah, it, it seemed very eugenics-esque in the sense that, especially when you consider the caste system that uh, Kansas City has. Um, very caste-based society, so it seems that uh, the, the, the uh, Genesis Chamber sort of propagated that in um, several ways. Uh, obviously, uh, we saw it with uh, Issa uh, learning that she's a clone. And one of the things that with, with, with cloning that I was completely clear about was it was it was she cloned because of the accident or was it was it in, that she and her mother had were in with the skimmer or was uh-huh. it, yeah or so you know it opens up the other questions as far as I guess a ver- some version of immortality for Kryptonian because well, they could that's change your yeah Oh, that's what, like, that's what the point I wanted to bring up, because, um, I think her name is Black Order, or I forget her actual name, but I'm going to call her Black Order from now. (laughs) She explains to Nissa that that's what they were trying, they've been trying to achieve, like, Kryptonians mastered, um, genetics and this, that that was one step in this long evolutionary process where this society did want to find the key to mortality, which brings me to my point in that that speaks volumes to the idea that we just have from Superman himself about how on Earth he is a god, a god among men. And and that power and that capability is because he's a Kryptonian. And so it, it just, my, I, my mind... Um, goes into um, the speed force (laughs) thinking about all the implications about how his home that's what they were after like that's what they were trying to do this whole time and he his home ends up getting destroyed and then he goes to a place and he is treated like a god and treated like he's an immortal and he's all powerful and so like so many implications there yeah, there, there, there are. And, and another, uh, in addition to the, those implications to it, uh, we, we again see, at least carrying forward to, I guess, the DCEU uh, and Man of Steel, the, the, the Codex, um, and how it's so cri- critical to Krypton's life. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, you know, we, we uh, Black Order gave assistant uh, codex to make sure that you know, nothing happened to that uh, because it was so critical to, to, to Krypton's future. And so that was another a good another little nod to the universe that they are they're working in um, and, and, and carrying forward that, that goal to which we just started you know, talking about uh, of their genetic engineering and, and trying to perfect this process. Yeah, and I like 
at the end where it comes full circle with with um, Nyssa, Black Order, and Val in the in what's remaining of the Fortress of Solitude, where there you you get reminded about how most likely Val and Black Order were allies in 14 years ago, and we're on the same team. And I love that Nyssa is there because that again proves that she's an elf. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, the last thing I want to bring up is that what did you think about how Nissa really was adamant about going to find her, the fetus of her unborn child with Seg, while she also led Lyda back to Candor, and Lyda, instead of trying to go after and protect her own unborn children with her and Dev, she just goes full Sagittari yeah. and makes some decision that costs a lot of Sagittari their, their lives. Yeah, I think, you know, there was a moment when that happened, and I think she talked to Dev about the lessons that her mother was trying to upon her as far as duty and, and being, being loyal, you know, loyal to country and those kind of things. Um, where she, you know, where, and, and then I guess in her, own, her own internal feelings as far as you know, having to make that choice when she, um, when she shot Drew's on, uh, shot her mother, mother to, to save Drew's on her own offspring. Um, yep. And so I think it makes, you know, in her mind, her becoming going full Sagittari to um, send the troops to fight Braniac was her way of trying to save, save Candor. That, that's what mm-hmm. she's been programmed to do. And that's, you know, so it was, it, it was that moment where she, all the training, all the speeches, all the, Beatdowns that her her mother gave to her, it kicked in, and she was like, "This is what I got to do to save save the city." And whereas, and whereas uh, Nissa's goal, you know, was pretty vex like in that it was looking out for herself, and you know, because really she didn't care about all the other kids and just she she just wanted to save her. So, you know, the rest of them, you know, whatever. But, you know, so I think it it, it, it was a good moment to show the, the nature of, of both of those characters uh, as far as how they, they viewed themselves in, 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 this, uh, in this Kryptonian world. I, yeah, and I think it also shows um, a contrast of maternal instincts. Like, I'm sure that there are tons of shows that have two polar opposite characters who are both male, and one is about saving just their children, and another is about saving the world. And so you see those same motivations, and maybe what struck me more is that they, the writers are using two female characters to display that yeah. um, on very different tracks. Yeah. And, and so 
pass that off to them. And speaking of Jaina, we did not even see her this episode. That's another loose end for next season. Yeah, yeah, because I was, yeah, because I think we were both thinking that Jaina and the, uh, and uh, her, this, um, newly discovered her brother. brother, um, mm. uh, were, were, you know, going to somehow interplay with in the finale, but yeah, that, that's definitely loose end. Um, that Mabel, yeah, especially given that the timeline uh, time has changed and Druzad is the you know, em- emperor of, of Krypton or Kandor City, and if I extended Krypton because of things, he was going to, you know, take on Kryptonopolis and the other cities, um, mm-hmm. city states. Um, you know, she, will she, knowing what she knows and his motivations, Will Jaina Zod be the leader of of a resistance? Right there. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that is so cool to do for Jaina because we've spent all this season with her and her own programming on being a Zod and then to suddenly resist in that manner, especially with, like, Lyda right next to General Zod. Oh, that's... Like, bravo, writers. Yes. That'll be perfect. Yep. Yes, definitely. So good. Yeah, it was so a, good. Yeah, so we got that all, We got that pretty dope uh, tease today from the Krypton uh, social media folks, um, formally announcing the 20, season two and premiering in 2019. So we have, uh, we have something to look forward to. Yeah, and they're fully embracing the alternate timeline season. I love it. And finally, we're going to get Doomsday next season. Yes, we are. Which I can only imagine will allow us, will feature um, them not necessarily doing the death of Superman or the Superman lives, but um, alluding to it yeah, for sure. Because yeah. even, I mean, you and I are certainly not experts about this character and its history, but we've seen enough to where we can pick up on a few things. And this show, as much as it's not centered in that same universe, well, not anymore at yeah. least. <laughs> <laughs> it still draws, like, you're still... It doesn't show Superman, but you still under start to understand his character that much more because you're watching this show, and I think that's part of the brilliance of yep. it. Definitely, definitely. All right. All right. Well, Will, where can listeners find you? Yes, you can always find me on Twitter at Will M. Polk, W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me on Twitter at SJBelmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please tweet at us, guys. We just had Polly and Tamara on, both returning co-hosts. We've had a great half year, six months of co-hosts who have tweeted at us, um, given us their opinions, and we brought them on the show. We are happy to do the same heading into the hiatus. I'm sure everybody has some shows that they're going to be binge-watching. I know we have a few planned, but let us know what we should be watching. 
tell us if you want to come on the show, tell us if, if there's something that we should talk about it, and just continue supporting us. You can follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd, friend us on Facebook, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on both iTunes and SoundCloud. And you can also find us on YouTube. <laughs> Good night. Geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>